Hey everybody, welcome to the Women's Football Podcast World Cup Special. I'm Annie Mills and this podcast is in partnership with Her Game 2. It's been an eventful last couple of days in the group stage and we'll look back on that and ahead to the last 16 with one of our regular guests, Portuguese journalist Inez Sampaio. Hi Inez, how are you doing? Hey there, thank you for inviting me. No worries, it's always good to have you. And also joining us, we have freelance journalist who you can see a lot of her work on the Sin 71 blog. It's Laura Howard. Hi, Laura. Hi, thanks for having me. And finally joining us as a guest for the first time, we have former PSG goalkeeper and now a women's football consultant. It's Ariana Crisone. Hi, Ariana, how are you doing? I'm good. Excited for the next round of this World Cup. Definitely. So far, only three teams have a 100% record in the competition. Sweden, Japan and England and lots of shocks as well. Brazil out, Canada out and most surprisingly of all, Germany out, which means three of the teams in the top 10 are already out of the competition. Australia, USA and Spain have all had scares along the way as well. When the ball hit the bar in the USA-Portugal game, I thought it was all over for the defending champions. It's been a crazy round of games over the last few days, hasn't it, Inez? Yes, indeed. Uh, it was a pity that uh, Portugal didn't go through. They were just about to cause the greatest uh, upset of, dare I say, women's football history, but it didn't happen. Um, Group E was definitely crazy. Actually, well, the whole World Cup has been crazy. Uh, very glad for African teams who have been doing so well, have surprised the whole world uh, and Jamaica as well. Uh, it's. I hope it it's, it, it continues to be crazy from now on because uh, I think uh, this shakeup is important for women's football to prove that, um, you know, it's going all over the world and it's not just for the um, historical elite. Yeah, definitely. It's been completely different from what we all expected so far, wouldn't you say? Definitely. I mean, no one expected Germany to, to crash out. Uh, I think Brazil would, <laughs> were unlikely candidates to crash out as well. Uh, the US, again, almost crashed out too. Portugal, you know, we missed we missed it by a few inches. I'm still very frustrated. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 been crazy. It's been different than, different than expected. Uh, Jamaica, South Africa, uh, you know, all of those teams that have caused great upsets because, you know, Italy crashing out as well is also surprising. I, again, it's been so exciting. And I think it's, it's, again, it shows that women's football is for everyone by everyone. And I'm very glad that these, uh, you know, these teams that we deem smaller or theoretically weaker, you know, are showing that, they're just as strong as the best ones. And, you know, the best ones have to really prove it uh, on the pitch to be able to go through. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And one of those teams, Germany, the two-time champions have never tasted failure like this. They've always reached at least the quarterfinals of the tournament. Germany were easily one of the favourites as well. Do you think this maybe went to their head a bit, Laura? Yeah, I don't know. Whether it necessarily went to their head, I think the, the top teams should know that they come into a tournament, approach a tournament the same way every time and know that every game is going to be as important. They've just not looked the Germany that we know they have been. They kind of seem to have run out of ideas. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been certainly a big shock to see them go out. I think they've qualified top of their group eight out of nine times they've appeared at a World Cup. So absolutely insane that they're not progressing. And particularly given their success in the Euros last 
last year, getting all the way to the final and then turning up at this World Cup and not even making out of the group stages. I think exactly as Innes was saying, like you just it shows it's testament to the strength of the opposition and the willingness of the opposition to go out and attack Germany and not kind of see them as, oh, this amazing team that we're already going to have lost to. It's like everyone backs themselves at this tournament and I think it just makes it more exciting than ever. I think, I don't necessarily think that Germany has thought they had it sewn up. I think it just feels like other teams have got a measure of them now and they're doing much better against them. Yeah, and big shocks like this will surely inspire smaller teams that thought that they might not be getting through to the round of 16. Yeah, for sure. I think um, you look at the next stage and it's I'm unwilling to want to predict anything because you've seen what's <laughs> happened in the group stages. And I don't think I want to call any of those matches just based on the precedent that the group stage is set. Now that we've seen any team can be any team, I think that just makes the World Cup even more exciting. I know it's a cliche of oh, it's knockout tournament football, but it really has shown that no one is kind of guaranteed a spot in that final USA, who you've seen win it year after year, past two years, and suddenly they look beatable, like very much so. And I think it makes it so much more exciting and no one's guaranteed a spot. And yeah, I want to jump in here, though, on, on both of those, though, and, and Ina saying that for her, US losing would have been kind of the most catastrophic loss in women's football, but... <laughs> If you look at Germany coming into this tournament, besides the loss to Zambia before they actually got there, 6-0 against Morocco, they looked really good. They looked like the Germany that could take the whole tournament. And and I think that's even more of a shocker. Like the U.S. has not necessarily shown well at, at any game yet so far. And there's been a lot of talk in the players that were able to make it to this World Cup or some players not on that roster. And so... There's been a little more question. It's just a historical background of the U.S. that I think we're relying on more for the prediction of how well they should do. But the Germany that showed up against Morocco was the Germany we all expected to continue to see. And then to see them then not perform was a little strange. So it's like they came, they got off the plane with the right mindset. And then what went astray between then and now? And then obviously also to see Morocco lose 6-0 in your first match and still come out and qualify is is really impressive. So I would challenge that I almost think Germany crashing out, as Enos was using the terminology, is more surprising than the U.S. team. Had the U.S. lost to Portugal, I, w- I would have said they, they didn't necessarily deserve to win that game. And they hadn't shown enough to to prove to me that they should be going out of the bracket anyways. Yeah, that's a really good point. Another one as well, Canada, Olympic champions, and they've arguably underwhelmed as well. Ariana, do you think everything that's happening behind the scenes has maybe had an effect on them? I think if it is, it is the biggest cop-out because almost every team in this tournament is having issues with federations. And there's three African countries that have all had probably bigger problems with federations or had a harder journey getting to this Mm. tournament than the Canadian women. And I know some of the women on the field and I haven't spoken to them, so I don't know their personal feelings. And we all know social media decides to build stories or do certain things. And and we do know that they are having an issue with their federation, but I would be hard pressed to say they're using that as an excuse. They're some of the top paid, top female athletes in the world that to say that they chose not to show up or that, that they were able to let that get in their head would be surprising to me. You're not gonna not play in the World Cup because you're hoping 
to get a certain paycheck from your federation, especially these players are paid well from their clubs. It's not going to be life-changing money for them. It, they should get that money. I'm, I'm not saying that at all, but um, there's a, there's a lot of teams that have been very successful. Jamaica have been fighting and, and they had to go do a GoFundMe to even get to the tournament. And yeah. they've clearly made it out of the bracket, super successful. So arguing that, that what happens with the federation, um, I don't think that's a good excuse not, not to perform on the field. No, you make a really good point. What do you think is the issue for Canada then? Like, why have they been so underwhelming so far? I mean, it's not so far. They're finished. They don't even get to 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 try to to do something better. They're done. Um, I mean, I think it's it's football, and and every game is jeopardy, and and all the teams have come better prepared than than most of us who love women's football. I think everybody is happily surprised with the competition and and the level that it, and the competitive balance that we're seeing. Uh, I don't have a pinpoint to say why Canada wasn't able to perform. Um, sometimes you have a bad tournament. Sometimes things don't click. Sometimes things happen. I, I have no idea. And, and there could be more happening in the locker room that we have no idea about. And I think it's always hard to make guesses about what's going on. Um, I would just say that I don't want to hear, like, arguing with the Federation is the excuse. And you all mentioned Brazil. I don't think we expected them to exit at this stage either. Here's a friend of the podcast, Brazilian journalist Alan Caldas, to give us his thoughts. Hello, everyone. Um, thank you very much for inviting me to talk about the Brazilian failure here in the World Cup. Um, it's a cloudy, windy Friday morning here in Melbourne. I would like to, to be watching Brazilian training. But unfortunately to us, Brazilian, uh, I'm, I'm seeing the Swedish players training to face the United States next Sunday in the round of 16. Because, as you know, the World Cup comes to an end for Brazil. Uh, since the game against Jamaica, when Brazil wasn't able to score a single goal to win the game and advance to, to round of 16, since that game we are looking for an explanation. Uh, looking for words to to understand what happened to a team that, as I told you when I when I when I talked to you before the World Cup, I, I said that I was confident that Brazil could reach the quarterfinals. And when you reach the quarterfinals, yes, you could dream about going a little further and maybe who knows being the champions. And we we are seeing a World Cup full of surprises here in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, but unfortunately, Brazil failed to, to, go, to go to the round of 16. And this is the first time since 1995. 20 years ago was the last time Brazil didn't advance from the group stage. So Brazil has a strong team. I do believe, I still believe that Brazil has good players, a good coach in Pearson Hogg, but something happened and we, we don't understand yet. Uh, maybe the psychological side uh, after Brazil lost to France, when we couldn't manage to, to, to stop the French pressure in the second half when it was one to one, uh, and that goal from from Vendi Henar, I believe, it, it unstable the team. And when Jamaica was, ha, when Jamaica had the advantage of the draw, Brazil maybe 
not uh, how could I say Brazilian team couldn't deal with the nerves with psychological uh, pressure to win a team which is the number 43 in the FIFA ranking so Brazil had the obligation to win uh, if you if you could say so the last uh, days as I said we we were in the same hotel of the, the Brazilian team we talked to the players uh, we talked to the, the, the PIA also and nobody knows nobody has an explanation only said all, all, all of them obviously uh, are said that the, the, the players cry a, a little and the, the day the day after the match was was a day of mourning uh, because obviously Brazil wanted to go further even if Brazil won't, wouldn't be the champion but at least the quarterfinals or the, the even the round of 16 okay if you, if you had to face uh, uh, Germany for instance it would be difficult but now we see that Germany failed too so so we think it it would be a, a good World Cup if we, if we had advanced because we could have uh, maybe more chance to advance more and more and as I said even reaching the, the quarterfinals or even a semi-final well in the next year we have the Olympics in Paris and let's see, uh, Brazil has to, to put the nerves uh, in, in, in the right place. Pia Sundhag, she has contract to Brazil with Brazilian Confederation until August 24, after the Olympics. And now we don't have Marta anymore. Uh, it wasn't her World Cup. Uh, fortunately, she wasn't able to win a World Cup. It's a, it's a very... It, it's it's sad. It's sad because she deserved a lot. Unfortunately, it wasn't possible. We don't know if Marta will will play in the Olympics yet. The World Cup is end, but uh, we don't know her future on the the next year. On the, uh, maybe she 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 played some some uh, friendly games, uh, a farewell game. I don't know. Oh, and, and let's see if he wants to to stay uh, one more year to to play in another Olympics. We don't we don't know. I don't believe so. I I, I think I think uh, she 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 don't she doesn't want to play another tournament. The the, the next few months will will bring some answers, not only about Marta but only about Pia too, uh, her role as the Brazilian coach. So fortunately. The, the World Cup comes to an end to Brazil, but the, the World Cup didn't end. And we see in this World Cup full of surprise who will, who will be the, the, the new champions. If you're going if you, if you to gonna have a new champion, or, or maybe the United States is always a dangerous. Uh, and we have Norway, Japan and the United States as the, 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 the countries who... Have, has won the World Cup before and maybe new a new one. England, I, I don't know, Sweden can be too. Let's see, let's see until August 20. And uh, I hope uh, we, had, we have uh, a great one World Cup until, until the end. 
let's also salute Marta as well. She got emotional about the growth of the women's game and how good it is to see in Brazil. She's had a fantastic career, hasn't she, Laura? Oh, absolutely. Undisputed legend of the game. And I think that was one of the saddest points of Brazil going out is to see Marta in her final tournament and to lose her so early on in this tournament. You want to see Marta for as long as possible. And I think um, obviously she's she's approaching the end of her career and it's been an incredible career. And I think it would have been nice to have her around the World Cup for a bit longer. But I don't think this is any dent on her career or her achievements. I think She's spoken about entering the game when there were no heroes to look up to for her and she's become that hero for so many people. So I think, you know, you've you've got to just speak volumes of the player that she's been and the person that she's been in creating role models for women's football. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things she mentioned in her press conference is how young their squad is. Do you think that maybe the lack of experience and potentially leadership within the squad could be a reason they didn't make it through? I think these can be a factor. And I think at tournament football, obviously, it's good to have a knowledge of how how that works and have those figures in the squad. But you do have players like Marta in that squad. You do have that experience to guide those players through. And ultimately, if that team performed as it could have done and as it promised to pre-tournament, I think, you know, they still had absolutely a chance of getting through. And I don't think age is necessarily the decisive factor. If the players are good enough, the players are good enough and they'll get through anyway. Um, I think... Yeah, obviously experience plays its part in any tournament, but I do think that they've just not met expectations at this tournament and I don't think you can necessarily blame kind of age or experience to that. Yeah. Let's look at the USA. They were given a massive scare and as I said earlier, we're only a post away from heading out and Portugal going through. Inez and Ariana, I'd like to get your thoughts on this game because you're obviously on opposite sides. What did you think of it? Well, uh, it was very frustrating because I think Portugal, uh, you know, if there was to be a winner of that match, uh, it should have been Portugal. And, you know, uh, I don't think um, our coach is not a brilliant tactical mind by any stretch, but still he managed to wrangle the U.S. And, uh, well, uh, technically every team, the problem with the U.S., in my opinion, as as I see it, is that they never adapt to the to the uh, to the opposition they always play the same way there is never a plan b if there is even a plan a to be honest but you know you can really feel the teams have figured out the us how to play against them and you know how to stifle their strengths because obviously they have many not some but many of the best players in the world you have one of the one of the best veterans in Alex Morgan, for example, and then you have one of the best youngsters uh, in Sophia Smith, Trinity Rodman as well. So, you know, uh, but Portugal managed, just like uh, the Netherlands did before that, uh, Portugal managed to figure out how to play against the US. And they, we did so well. It was such uh, a soulful uh, committed game. They were so brave. The players were so brave and I am Honestly, like as a women's, as a Portuguese women's fan, I am so proud of them uh, because they really fought till the very last minute to make the impossible possible. Because I honestly didn't think, and this is on me, but I honestly, I, I honestly didn't think that Portugal would be able to go through, and they proved me wrong because they were 
just a few inches away from making it. And, yeah. you know, it really is a testament to that team's strength and character and their bravery. But also, it's I think it should bring some very, very loud alarms for the U.S. that smaller teams, because we are just the 21st uh, ranked team on the FIFA ranking, and they are the first <laughs> ranked team. And, you know, that a smaller team, as a debutante, have been able to, you know, to to make the U.S. look so bad on the biggest stage in the world. And I think, you know, we've we've heard um, Chris and Press and Tobin Heath have, have a very uh, interesting uh, podcast. And they uh, talked about it, how it doesn't seem like the, the U.S. team is gelling, but it's on like on the managerial side more than on the player side, because it looks like there isn't a cohesive plan and there isn't a way to turn things around when they're not going well. Uh, so yeah, it should be, it should ring really, really loud alarms, but again, Portugal inches away from making history debutantes, uh, almost reaching the, uh, the, the round of 16 and by beating the, well, the best team in the history of women's football, in well, at least international women's football, a team that has never uh, finished the World Cup outside of the podium. That is, it's tremendous. Uh, so I can only, um, like, it, it, Portugal, just, they were amazing. Uh, it's, and, it's very yeah. frustrating. <laughs> and like you said, they went out at the group stages like they did in the Euros, but it's got such a different feel to it this time, hasn't it? it it does it does because last year uh yes last year um it was you know it felt like portugal actually were not good enough to to go through you know it was that feeling because uh netherlands were missing some big players as they were now midama is not uh on but you know it, it was different losing 5-0 to to sweden in the group stages of the euros is very different to to tying uh with no goals against the us and the feeling in the team is completely different like you said uh this time it really felt like they would have been able to go through had it had that ball gone just a few centimeters <laughs> uh, to the left. Yeah. Ariana, what are your views on the game? I mean, to be totally fair, I agree with Enos and, and coming out of that game, I think Portugal deserved it and they deserved to go on with, with how they've been playing and the success they have had. And, and looking back at the Euros, beside the Sweden game, I, I think it was an overall successful tournament, especially for a team who technically didn't qualify. Uh, if you remember, they took the place of Russia, and so yeah, they weren't necessarily exactly. prepared to go into that tournament. I mean, I'm sure they were happily surprised, and, and they did the best they could going in. But this tournament they've prepared for, we know that the FA has invested human resources into the women's team. They've invested financial resources. The FA has invested financial resources in trying to help the league develop. Um, even Americans are going to play in the Portuguese league. Big clubs like Benfica and Sporting are putting money. Braga played Champions League. Um, there, there's a lot going on there that's really exciting. And to see these young players who've been playing together for quite a while actually developing and growing together is very exciting. I think there's something interesting too, Annie, you mentioned before talking about experience and, and I agree with what Laura said. I don't think we always talk about experience when it comes to players and like if you're a young team and, and you don't win or you don't come out of the group, it's because you're young and yeah, I think it's moments that change from experience to young players, but not whole games or whole tournaments. Like 
you play 90 minutes and, and you're going to play. And, and if you're playing on that team, you, you should be there. Um, and so, but the argument could be, can the U.S. use the coach or not having a backup plan as an excuse when there are so many experienced players on that team? And even the younger players have a couple years of NWSL experience, most of them going into it, playing against what everybody considers the best players in the world. So two years experience playing in the NWSL might be a better experience than some of the African players who play in an African league with players we've never heard of or games that are played on fields that we couldn't even imagine looking at. So I think there's a lot going on here and and not to completely defend the U.S., but I also think we look at and think about the U.S. historically and what the U.S. has always brought. And this is not that team or those teams. There's been different groups of women that have come together and been extremely successful and dominated women's football. And the women on the field today are not necessarily that group with the same mentality or, or going into it the same way. But with that said, you can never count the U.S. out. Uh, it would not shock me if they go all the way through. They always find a way. Uh, even in the 2019 World Cup, some people would say against England, there were some refereeing calls that were iffy. Um, and so <laughs> I think the U.S. makes their own luck at times. And hitting the post proved it that somehow America finds a way, which I'm very proud of. This is something that I am very proud of that Americans do. We will find a way to win, even if it's not pretty. But yeah, there's there there's a lot going on under the surface. I think with the U.S. team and and other things, and and we can't kind of hold them to the standards maybe of other historical teams. They're a different team, and they should be looked at differently. And I think some people are are kind of attacking them in some ways for for maybe not the best reasons or or what those players could or should be doing. Yeah, definitely. And one thing they've been criticized on is for celebrating getting through. What are your thoughts on that? They got through. Why shouldn't you want to celebrate getting through? I realize the players who are saying we would have never done it that way or this and that, but but you're not these players and you're not. And so going to the next round of the Women's World Cup, no matter who you are, should be something to be happy and celebrate. And I don't think they were shoving it in the Portuguese players' faces or or going too over overboard. Um, what are you supposed to do? Walk off the field and throw something or, or ignore people or not shake hands with Portugal because you didn't perform the way everybody wants you to be performing at the end of the day, they've made it to the next round. They have achieved the goal that they probably set out for. Maybe not as pretty as they wanted to do it, but they're going to the next round. And if they win the whole tournament, they're going to be dancing and, and social media is going to be taking off with how they dance. So yeah, I think everybody gets to have their opinion and are going to talk. But again, I just think they're trying to talk about a history that maybe these women are not those women. So deal with them in their own right and who they are today in this tournament and how they're able to perform and and what's happening now. As a Portuguese uh, fan, I was not offended in the slightest uh, by the uh, U.S. team dancing and celebrating a very tough, uh, you know, qualification to to the round of 16. It's perfectly natural. And actually, like uh, going and, uh, you know, giving autographs and taking pictures with the fans that have traveled a long, long way and have spent a lot of money to support them. I think it's the right thing to do. Uh, so it's, I think it's actually, I don't think it's, it, it should even be a debate at this point. It's unfortunate that some people have made it into one. And on that too, I think had they not celebrated or not been happy to pass, it almost would have been a slap in the face to Portugal. Like they weren't good enough for us to even consider exactly. that we couldn't have 
killed like we should have killed them so we should be mad at ourselves but exactly, rather exactly this was a difficult game and we respect them so we're happy to come out of this yeah totally agree Norway, they've had a similar story to the USA in that they're through, they battered the Philippines in the last game, but they haven't overly convinced fans yet. Would you agree, Ariana? Yes, but I feel like Norway is this, they they obviously completely underperformed what everybody thought they would do in the Euros. Um, but then again, I think it's this assumption. We assume because they have players with certain names on the back of their jerseys that the entire team will be successful together. But his, in the not even historically, in the last couple of years we haven't seen Norway do these amazing things we just assume because if certain players come on the field that they're just all of a sudden going to blow the opponent out of the water and that's not the case and that's definitely not the case in this tournament so I think Norway is a fighting team that is going to keep fighting um, I would be surprised if they pass the next round to be totally transparent I just would be but they're also not a team that when I've done my brackets that I had going very far either, even in, in the qualifications and, and other things going into it. They're just not that exciting right now, in my personal opinion. Yeah. And Spain, they're in a similar boat. Lots of big names within their team. They impressed in the first two games, but they would then beaten 4-0 by Japan in the final group game. Laura, where do you kind of see them going at the minute? Well, I think they've got a game against Switzerland in the next round. So on paper, you maybe expect them to win that. I don't think I don't think either Switzerland or Spain have looked overly convincing. I think Switzerland did well in the group stage for what was expected of them. But that kind of brings it back to Norway of everyone has this huge expectation of Norway because of the players in their team, but they haven't clicked. And I think uh, on the Norway point, it's really it's I think it's more disappointing than kind of um and upset because it's like you you do have all these great players you've got like Mornham, Hagerberg, like Engen, Wrighton. You've got a team full of these players who at domestic level perform incredibly well and you hope that a manager could find some way of gelling that team together or making them work to be one of these teams that are competing. And I think that's why they're always put up there, but they haven't found that formula to put all those players together and I think you know Hager Risa has come under criticism this tournament for playing players out of position like if you have those great players play them in the position they deserve to be played in or the, their natural position um, so yeah you've got Spain coming into a game against Switzerland I think Switzerland got that result against Norway and therefore were kind of put higher up in people's estimation I don't think they're necessarily that impressive and haven't looked that impressive throughout the rest of their group Spain, another interesting one. You've got more problems with the federation. You've got key players on strike like Mappy Leon. Um, and yeah, they didn't impress against Japan. And I think they haven't looked at as what we'd expect them to look like on paper, again, because of these big names, Pateas in the team. So you expect them to be good. I still think they're a good team and I still think they'll beat Switzerland. Um, but I, don't, I wouldn't expect them to go all the way in this tournament. And I think... Um, yeah, I just I just don't think that the the overall kind of how we see these teams perform. They did well in the Euros ish and then lost to England. But I think the expectations we put on some of these teams aren't matching up. I do also think though Japan did really well in that game. And I think Japan have performed really well and I'd have them now down maybe this is recency bias, but the way they've been performing, I think they've been the most informed team at this tournament. I think to lose to them 
obviously 4-0 is disappointing for any team and particularly a Spanish team with high expectations. But I think to lose to that Japan team isn't kind of the worst thing in the world, given they are on a tra- trajectory that could see them win the tournament. Yeah, I think you're right in terms of like, people having a certain perception of the Spanish team. Obviously, it's made up of players that come from the best teams in their leagues. So people, when it comes to big tournaments like this, people automatically assume that Spain are going to go all the way. They never have gone all the way. And you said you don't see them doing that this time round, right? Yeah, I don't think they'll... I don't think they'll get to the final. I think I think they'll get through to the quarters because I don't think Switzerland will be enough to challenge them, uh, to to knock them out. But yeah, I don't I don't see them going all the way. Obviously, there's underlying issues in that team. Whether you can put the blame on that, yes or no. But I do think ultimately they're not gonna. They don't have the form backing them, and they don't have. They've not gelled in in a similar way. They've they've done better than Norway, but they've not gelled in a similar way at their national level um, to take them all the way in the World Cup I, is my personal opinion it could come back to haunt me <laughs> um, Inez you mentioned some of the African teams in Jamaica earlier they've never even scored a goal at the World Cup never mind made it to the round of 16 it's absolutely fantastic to see isn't it Definitely. And they thoroughly deserved it. Uh, Brazil uh, came into the game uh, like they it was it was in a with a very weird attitude. I'm not saying it was a lack of uh, mentality, but it was it was like they were, you know, like the goal was was a uh, was, you know, was going to happen. So it, it was almost like they were delaying it. It was weird. It was a weird game. And in the end, Jamaica did their job. They have wonderful play, wonderful players, like obviously uh, Khadija Shaw being uh, the biggest star, but they really deserved it. They, they, they were able to hold off Brazil. They did their job um, against uh, Panama and obviously um Yes, and France. Well, sorry, my memory is failing me. Yeah, they they tied against France, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, Jamaica really deserved it. And let me just—I uh, know we're talking about Jamaica, but let me just spare some words for Marta because you know uh, Brazil speak. They speak Portuguese. I speak Portuguese. Uh, so, like for us in Portugal, uh, for many many years, the main reference was Marta. And for women's football, so it's sad to see her go this way. But again, Jamaica deserved it. It's 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 a show of all these teams that are relatively unknown, but have great players in great championships. Haiti were also very surprising. For example, um, you know they they're they're showing that it's just not name you know, in status and uh, uh, history are just not enough anymore to make it through the, the last rounds of, of the World Cup. And it's amazing to see because it's a testament to the growth of women's football and Jamaica have been amazing. They have great players. They have a great, very cohesive team. They were actually like, okay, Brazil had a couple ch- big chances, but they didn't have all that uh they were they weren't all that dangerous during the game and that's that's uh that's down to Jamaica's defending and I hope to you know to see them uh shine again because uh they're a team with so much heart and uh so many great players 
um i think they're they're going to I, i'm i'm not i'm not saying they're going to go past the round of 16 but i'm sure that they will give anyone you know they find in their way be it now or forward you know further forward uh i'm sure they will give them a very very tough fight because they're a really good team Definitely. And it's so good to see. Moving on to England, we haven't mentioned them yet. What have we made of them so far? They're 100% so far, the first two performances, the feeling was that they didn't really do enough, but then they go and blow the Chinese completely away. Laura, what are your thoughts on how England have approached the tournament coming into it so far? Yeah, I think there was definitely uh, like expectations beyond the two first 1-0 wins um but you know they were 1-0 wins they were three points for both games and yeah. there was some worry but I think if as long as you get the three points in the group stages you can kind of work your way into a tournament we've seen a lot of turnover in their squad from the team that won the Euros it was a very different side that was being put out there and so I think to, to they were clearly still gelling at that point and then you lose Kira Walsh and that could be that's a turning point in the in the tournament for England I think Absolutely. I think they could either either have fallen at that stage and lost it kind of carried on with that same formation lost that pivotal number six and fallen away almost um but I mean Serena Wiegmann just what a manager for to to make those tactical changes completely new formation and the way that they executed that you're looking at a system change to account for the loss of Kira Walsh and they absolutely executed it to almost perfection. I think there's still maybe some defensive vulnerabilities there. Um, but overall, like, and I mean, Lauren James as well, you've got to kind of give her a shout out. Three three assists, two goals in that match. Out of six goals, she had five goal contributions, which is absolutely insane for a player. And we talk about experience, but she's 21 years old to her first tournament first major tournament and she's come in and done that and that's absolutely unbelievable and I think now you've gone from this turnaround of saying they were one of the underperformers in the first two games to now people are putting them back in amongst the favourites to win it whether that's a result of the kind of history of the teams that they're going to play and we're going to rue that kind of prediction because we're basing it on history which we've seen in this tournament isn't enough but they've now got a, a draw which people are saying is favourable I still think it's very tough and I think Nigeria is going to be a really tough game in the next round but I think they've turned it around in this tournament in a way that's for them personally as a mentality thing they'll now be thinking okay we can go on and beat anyone because we've lost arguably our best player they'd lost Mead and Williamson so the spine of that team from the Euros had gone and now Walsh and I think they've now they've overcome that and they'll be thinking okay we can take anyone now I think mentality in tournament football is really important so I think they're looking really exciting now um, and I'd be really excited to see them carry on playing this formation and I mentioned when Kira Walsh got injured that I thought it would completely flip how England would play but do you think that because we lost such a crucial player to the team that it actually incentivize other players to step up a little bit I think they should be incentivized to play either way I think yeah of course if you get that opportunity to play you've got Katie Zellum coming in and I think she did an excellent job deputizing in that position really calm on the ball and you're not you're not going to replace Kira Walsh she's one of those players in the team that there's not an equivalent 
to her as a player. But absolutely, I'm sure there's a kind of resilience within that squad now of, okay, we need to pull together and overcome this this problem as a team. And the way in which I'm sure Serena Wiegmann framed that, the way in which she's instilled like a new tactical approach potentially is, I think, really important to them to show that they're not defined by one player. You're going to be slightly scared, but I think obviously I'm, sh- I'm sure the players that have come in have taken that as an opportunity to shine, which you'd hope from any professional footballer going back to lauren james i mean wow such a big and special moment for her and she is absolutely one to watch in the next few years i know you're a big fan of lauren james and yes what were your thoughts she's a tremendous player i mean uh I, i think i said uh before the world cup that she was just uh at the door of being like um of keeping of being uh well like there's a pyramid uh, with and you know there's this very specific uh layer of the pyramid where for me there are two players uh Mallory Swanson and Carolyn Graham Hansen for what they can do for their style of play their uh what they can do in a game how they can change a game and for me uh you know before the world cup i was saying she's she's just uh at the door of that very specific layer for me she's like kicked down the door and uh, welcomed welcomed herself into that table because she's, I mean, with her in the form uh, she is, you know, um, England can go all the way when you, like when you have a player that is so uh, differential, who is so, so good, so spectacular. And uh, it's not just because, for example, uh, the US have Sophia Smith, who I think is, you know, one of the uh, four or five best players in the world. But uh, Lauren James, uh, how the team is built, you know, and how they they know how to uh, exploit her strengths. Uh, I think Lauren James has everything to be one of the players of the tournament, if not the player of the tournament, certainly the youngster of the tournament. And she's just she's just amazing. She can do everything. She can dribble with her left, with her right. She can score with her left, with her right, with her head. Uh, she can. Uh, she's also uh, very committed uh, when it's time to press and defend, which is not a usual thing when you have you know a big star. But she's she's just she's so humble in in that way um she's very committed to the team and well again she can show up on the right on the left in the middle she's a playmaker she's also a finisher she's the whole package and again i I think she's like all the way up there in you know in terms of again style of play how they can change a game uh with mallory swanson and carolyn graham hansen because those three are tremendous players a joy to watch and i think it's the kind of player that you know you pay the ticket for you know to 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 watch the game that's the kind of player you want to watch live because you don't want to miss a single moment of of them on the pitch uh it's not the same on tv so i i I hope england go far just so i can keep watching lauren james do her thing Definitely. I was, um, I heard on the radio the other day, someone refer to Lauren James as the female Messi. And although I don't like comparing male and female footballers, it's arguably not a bad comparison to make. I think in terms of her being one of the best footballers in the world, like I've said time and time again, she's better than so many male footballers that I watch. She's just so technically and naturally gifted. Maybe she is a female Messi. What do you think? 
Uh, I, I find that comparison very hard to make. Um, also in style, they're kind of different. Um, and even though they're very, they're both very skilled, of course, and very and really great finishers. Uh, I love that Michi Bachwai, uh, you know, uh, tagged uh, Reese James Lawrence's uh, brother and said she's a better finisher than than me. Yeah, <laughs> that was very funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, she's, arguably she's... It's true though. No. It's true. She she can again. She can finish with her left foot, her right foot. She can finish with her head. She can. I mean, mm. you can you can ask her to finish with her back, and she would do it. Um, she can just do <laughs> everything with the football. It's amazing. And well, you know, if it's very tough to make uh, those comparisons in terms of uh, you know because uh, the physicality is different. Uh, mm. You know, the, the game. It's not different, but it's still a little bit different. Um, you know, in, the, in those differences are good, in my yeah. opinion. Um, but yeah, if you were to make, you know, to ignore the differences, uh, she's definitely up there with the best footballers in the world, uh, male or female, because she's just she, well. Again, it's, I'm I'm like I'm running out of uh, compliments for her because she's just that good. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, I always like to ask you about Lauren James because I know that you're a fellow fan of hers. <laughs> um, a couple of other players who have really caught the eye are Linda Quesado of Colombia, Mina Tanaka of Japan and Esme Broods. Ariana, there's been some fantastic still coming from our specifically younger players so far, hasn't there? Has anybody else kind of caught your eye? So I think all of those players have done fantastic and I think Lauren has done fantastic, but I think the big thing that we're not talking about is how good the goalkeeping has been in this tournament and how much better it's been since previous tournaments. As an ex-goalkeeper, I'm clearly watching it, but a lot of people are paying attention to this and we're seeing really interesting one. I mean, Mary Earps was already the best goalkeeper in the world, but she was incredible against Haiti. Like her entire team needs to thank their lucky stars that she was back there because to be fair, I think Haiti deserved at least the tie. Haiti's goalkeeper was also very impressive in that tournament. And I have to hold it up for the goalkeeper union that I'm so pissed off that none of the goalkeepers are getting player of these games. One forward scores one goal. The goalkeeper makes a ton of saves. And this one player gives a player that is driving me nuts that the goalkeepers aren't getting the credit that they deserve. And it even more drives me nuts when... I personally think you can be on the losing team as the goalkeeper and have had an incredible game and still deserve to be player of the game. Just because one the one player on the other team scored one goal, yes, it changed the, the trajectory of this game, but player of the game is not who wins the game or, or it's the best player of that game. And, and I think the, the goalkeepers are getting the raw end. Like some podcasts are discussing it or we've seen some articles, but I think overall it's the goalkeepers that are that are shining in this tournament and I think I read some stats that in 2015, it was like 65% saves from goalkeepers or making a difference. 2019 was 70. And just the beginning of this tournament, we're at 74%. I would say goalkeeping going into these next rounds is going to be really important. And we're having standout goalkeepers from some of the African teams, as I mentioned, Haiti. Uh, it's just, it's really exciting to see the level of goalkeeping going up. We've had some big score lines, but we've had a lot of ties, a lot of 0-0 matches, uh, not very many goals being scored in some ways, and and I'm loving it. So taking your question in a totally different direction, but really, really proud of the goalkeepers that are there, and, and everybody else gets so much credit, but I think we really need to, to remember the goalkeepers in this tournament. 
No, for sure. And you mentioned Mary Earps, obviously, is the best in the world at the moment. Other than her, who's caught your eye the most out of the rest of the goalkeepers? Again, I really liked what Haiti was doing, but obviously they're out, so we can't go back into that very much. Um, Rebecca Spencer for Jamaica has has looked really good. I'm going to butcher her name. I am so sorry, uh, but Chiamaka Nadozi was good. Uh, Yenith Bailey of Panama, Olivia McDaniel of, of the Philippines. They've all had some really impressive, great saves. Uh, obviously, the Portuguese goalkeeper against the U.S. did well. Like, there's been so much goalkeeping that I just think kind of maybe it's been so good. We're just expecting it now, which is also a good thing. And so we're we're kind of sweeping yeah. it under under the rug. But um, the goalkeepers have been just impressive and changing uh, the the timing of the game. So it's actually watching the game yesterday with my mom of Korea versus. <laughs> Korea, Germany, and my mom's comments and how she was, and she's like, "There's nine minutes. Like, why are they still wasting time?" And okay, but the goalkeeper is gonna take the ball to the ground. It's not my favorite thing that they do, but the goalkeepers are having a much bigger effect. Um, obviously the mess up uh against Italy with with playing the bad ball and and it going in really changed Italy's trajectory in this tournament, which was not a goalkeeping fault. And also with goalkeepers, I haven't seen as many faults maybe as I saw or goals mm-hmm. because of goalkeeping errors. There's been a couple. China, it was one of the later goals, but you could just argue the ball bounced weird, but not so many bloopers from goalkeepers, balls between the hands, legs, um, not as many chips, even um, the goals against France. I mean, those were beautiful goals. So, so yeah, I'm just really happy with the quality of goalkeeping, especially from countries that maybe we would assume don't have the best goalkeeper trainers or aren't getting the best goalkeeping so for them to be performing at this level is very impressive definitely and you just mentioned France then and Japan we've not really talked about then Japan being really impressive so far former winners of course back in 2011 and maybe potentially dark horses would you say Sariana so I wouldn't necessarily call them a, a dark horse because I had them in my brackets being very successful. I think Japan always performs quite well in, in the World Cup and and the Wii League, though, financially has not been the most successful. I think producing top players and what I really saw and from friends that have played in Japan, they're so fast and so fit. What I saw against Spain is a, is a tired Spain and, and some of those defenders were tired and, and they were beating um, them across the line and, and some of those through balls that were beating the defenders and and it could also have possibly been because Spain knew they were through and so and a lot of those players had played Champions League and a lot of games going into this tournament they had a lot of games under their legs so maybe it was a time for them to to take a breath and taking second in the group and, and Japan is on all cylinders I think they're probably the most impressive team so definitely the not the dark horse but actually the power horse now in the tournament um just absolutely incredible france has not really impressed me and but to be fair sorry france i live in france they never impress me in big tournaments they have some of the best players in the world and you put them on paper and skill wise and bank account wise they should be dominating most of these teams just absolutely completely dominating them and when they put on the jersey for whatever reason and they don't gel together they don't so they're definitely going to the next round and, and you can't count them out because they are impressive, very experienced players, but just not, not the exciting football I want to see. Like what Japan is doing is very exciting. They're scoring beautiful goals. You mentioned Mina Tanaka, that goal 
was almost just in the opposite way of uh, Quesada's goal. It, it looked like they kind of took on the defender in the same way and then shot around the defender, around the goalkeeper in very similar looks. Um, so I'm, I think I'm going all in on Japan now, and, and I'd love to see them continue this great football and go as far as they possibly can. Definitely. And you mentioned France being good, but not great so far. They obviously beat Brazil and then they were involved in the crazy game against Panama, for which Hervé Renard criticised them afterwards for switching off. But with the likes of Diani, Gioro and Lassoma up front, they can easily be a massive threat to whoever they play. Would you say so, Laura? What's interesting about France is they're probably in a bit of a transition period at the moment. You know, they've got a new manager in Renard. And I think as a squad... They're certainly still getting used to that. But I do think, I think definitely like the Samer fits really well with the system that they are playing under Renard. And I think they, yeah, great players and certainly the ability to threaten. They're playing Morocco next. And obviously, the expectation would be that they win that match. I don't think it will be as straightforward as people might assume. Maybe it will be. But I think um, Morocco is certainly a team that on paper, France is expected to beat but have the potential they did so well at the Africa Cup of Nations last uh last summer and so it's not going to be an easy match for them I do think I think France can go quite far but I think like exactly as Ariana has said they haven't always looked impressive in tournaments and I think so far they still look like a team with a new manager who is starting still learning that system but you know if they can learn that system throughout the tournament you tournament football is really interesting in how you can kind of scrape through a group stage and then go on to be really good throughout the knockout stages and I think France certainly have the potential to do that so it will be really interesting to see how their tournament progresses because I think they do have the quality within their squad to go on and go quite far it's just whether they can kind of gel under that system under Renard. Quickly on Sweden they seem almost the most together team in attack and defence would you say so Inez? They were uh from in, well from like the the 30th minute against Italy on so like their game against uh South Africa was not very interesting it was not very good they had a really tough time uh turning it around uh and then against Italy uh they were not doing well Italy was so was being so dangerous and then it, it felt like something just clicked it was uh, weird, but in a good way for them. Um, and now they look unstoppable. But they're gonna, you know, they're gonna uh, be facing off against a very tough opponent. Um, but yeah, they they look, they have the talent. They have the their physicality still makes a difference. Oh, we saw that against Italy, for example. Um, you know, and they when you have the likes of uh, Muzovic in, in, in goal and then Holfo, Aslani, Illestet, uh, Anderson and Blackstanias and I'm just naming a few, uh, you always have to be, you know, a, um, a top contender for the World Cup. And they look, they're looking like one of the most put together teams. But we'll see because, you know, will we get... Uh, their first game version and you know those that first half an hour against uh Italy will we get that version that was very off color very you know uh not put together or will we get the version that we saw you know for the rest of the game against Italy uh, and then the third game that was 
like uh, uh, a machine. Uh, it's it's a very two faced team, and I think uh, Sweden at this moment are their own toughest opponent. Um, so so we'll see what happens. But uh, I, it's 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 for me it's a mix of trusting and not trusting that team because it depends on which version we get at any given time. Definitely. Well, thank you so much to Inez, Laura and Ariana for joining us on this World Cup special podcast. To wrap up, how do you all see the round of 16 going? Some more shocks potentially, hopefully. Laura, let's hear from you first. Yeah, of course, we want more shocks. I think that keeps it interesting, keeps it exciting. I think it'll be really interesting to see how those teams that we've seen as shocks throughout the group stages go on to play in the round of 16. Um but yeah, I think I'm with Ariana and I'm back in Japan to go all the way um, in this tournament. But it, it will be a really exciting next round. So I'm going to go out on a ledge and say this is the most exciting World Cup that FIFA has ever had. And I say World Cup, not Men's World Cup, not Women's World Cup. World Cup with the most exciting surprises, the most exciting, maybe it's on a ledge to say the most exciting football because a lot of people could argue a lot of other stuff, but just not knowing kind of double jeopardy style competitive balance very cool storylines coming through you never know who could win or who could lose in any of these games and i just think it's so exciting and going into this tournament when anybody asks it was so cheesy but i said i just want women's football to win in this tournament and i think thus far that is who's winning and i'm just so excited to see performances on the pitch the performance is in the goal and how that's going to have huge effects and to see a lot of these goalkeepers getting signed to big clubs and making big waves within the game and just watching how this whole Cinderella story, uh, Disney story, whatever you want to call what's happening unfolds is so exciting to be a part of to watch. Yeah, uh, I'm backing Japan too. Spain had too many def uh, defensive fragilities, and we'd seen that in the first two games in Japan exposed them. Uh, I think against Sweden or the U.S., they can, uh, they can, they can beat. I think they can beat anyone. Uh, and then, like on the other side of the bracket, you have a very, very strong England. So I think it's going to be between England, the U.S., Sweden, and Japan. I think. And again, uh, I agree with. Diana, that you know uh that um japan are not dark horses considering they were they won in 2011 they were finalists in 2015 they they're they're very history uh they have a long history of uh uh success in women's football and maybe this is their uh their comeback and i would be such a fan of that because uh they're an amazing team and i think they're the most tactically uh exciting team as well so i'm going for japan well thank you so much to all of you and thank you for your thoughts it's been so interesting to hear don't forget to subscribe to the podcast via all good podcasting platforms and give us a follow on twitter at twsp1 and on instagram it's the women's football podcast have a great week everybody